Hello, welcome again to the Kilcullen Diary Sound Cloud. I'm Brian Byrne. When I began this series, I promised an eclectic content of interviews, stories and memories. So in this episode, I'm going to the storytelling. In 1993, I published a book of short stories under the pseudonym of William Trapman. Among them was this one, Marching with the Saints. At the time, it was one of the most popular in the collection. So sit back and let the pictures flow in your mind and hear the music. Marching with the Saints Mags pulled at her breakfast fag. A hoarse cough followed. I'd like a jazz band, she said when she got her breath back. That stopped me midway through a crunch of cornflakes. Mags hadn't shown any interest in music since our courting dances at the parish marquee, and the bands which had played us into eventual matrimony had been more Jim Reeves than jazz. Do you mean a record? I asked. She sucked on the fag again. No, not a record. A real band. I want one to play me down. I want a jazz band like in that film last night. Ah, it was the James Bond film where some New Orleans corpse was getting the local send-off. They had danced in front of the funeral, clapped hands, laughed and sang. There'd been trumpets and stuff too. Oh yeah, sure, they don't do that here. It's probably sacrilegious or something. It shows they're proud of their dead, though, she said. She didn't mention it again. Half a year later, the Gaspers finally got her. Thankfully, It was a quick cancer. I remembered the conversation the day I went to see Corin the Undertaker. Ah, I've I've never never done that before, he pursed his lips, which emphasised the whiskey veins spotting his cheeks. I've hired a singer before, a good local girl. She's cheap too. I shook my head. A jazz band, Mr Corin, it's what she said. He picked up a blank in-memoriam card from a pile on his desk, scribbled a note. Leave it with me, Mr. Hennessy. I'll ask around. Somebody will know one, I'm sure. I left him and went to talk to the canon. That is a monstrous and profane thought. The canon was negative about music. I heard afterwards that he'd once cleared the altar with an ash plant when one of his curates had organised a folk mass. A proper Catholic funeral is what she'll get from this church. There'll be no sinful music here. We hadn't been much into religion anyway. I stood up, held out my hand, and told him pleasantly what he could do with his Catholic funeral. He mustn't have noticed my hand, so I let it drop and left. She was at peace, but the yellow pallor of failed liver was still there. She looked like she really needed one last fag. I touched her cheek briefly. Then I turned and nodded to the undertaker. The coffin lid was propped against the wall. You can close it now, I told him. He'd got a promise of music. A trumpeter from the army band. He'll be here at eleven said he'd try and get a couple of his friends. The door opened. A little man came in quietly, carrying a small case. 
Going by his size, he must have sneaked in under the army recruiting officer's door, but he did have the bearing which everybody gets from a stint in the military. He snapped a half-salute when Curran brought him over. Macaulay, sir. Joseph, Corporal. I'm sorry, sir, about your missus. Thanks. You play jazz? Yes, sir. There's four of us jam at weekends. Are the others coming? Don't know, sir. I left word for them. He fiddled with his case, took out the most polished brass trumpet I'd ever seen. Anyways, I can give it a good blast myself. Did you want anything special? I shrugged. I don't know anything special, Macaulay. Whatever you think, but make it happy. He gave us half salute. I'll wait outside, sir. Corrin opened the double doors, nodded to the pallbearers, all dressed in identical navy suits. Okay, lads, one murmured. On three, lift, one, two, three, hop! Mags's coffin was hoisted on four strong shoulders. The undertaker led the way out. The four men found their pace and marched slowly. I hadn't bothered with death notices, and only Macaulay was outside. It seemed his friends hadn't turned up. He was now dressed in a bright green jacket with matching bow tie and a straw boater on his head. Curran made a face and then recovered his professional solemnity. Macaulay lifted his trumpet and raised an eyebrow. I nodded and he moved ahead with the undertaker as we turned into the main street. It was a quiet Tuesday morning with hardly anyone around. A couple of women on the footpath turned from their conversation. A coffin being carried through the street was unusual. One with a funny little man in a green outfit out front was a gossip stopper. A child with them also looked at us, obviously bored with having to hang around grown-ups chatter, and then she went back to playing with her doll. Macaulay put his instrument to his lips, filled his cheeks with air, and blew. The note was as clear as the sky to where it soared. Two blackbirds fluttered from complacent perches on the roof of Heinz's hardware shop. For about four paces, Macaulay held the tone straight, and then slipped into a melody that pattered along the shop fronts. The child let her doll dangle and smiled. The two women gawped. Old Jack Hines walked out through his shop door, looked for a few moments, and then his teeth smiled from under his whiskers. Two teenage lads and a waitress came out from Dowling's coffee shop, their feet tapping. Up front, the little trumpeter was skipping to his own beat. A car scrabbled to a stop. Two men jumped out, one with a saxophone, the other clutched a banjo by its neck. Both wore similar outfits to Macaulay's. As they waited for our little procession, they donned straw hats of their own. The trumpeter opened a new tune. The deep tones of the saxophone answered and the banjo plucked into a tonky harmony. The discipline of the pallbearers broke and the coffin began to sway as their feet took up the beat. My own fingers were quietly snapping. I looked back. The little girl was skipping behind me. She smiled. I smiled back. Behind her, old Jack Hines led a rank of people who had left whatever they'd been doing as we passed the main street shops. Heads bobbed to the rhythm of the music. There were probably more people there than Mags had met in the last thirty years. We turned into Church Lane, 
ten o'clock mass was over, and some of the parishioners were standing on the steps of the church, among them the canon. Macaulay and his lads eased the music to a simple melodic beat as we came by. The canon tapped a man on the shoulder and whispered. The man went inside, and a few moments afterwards a bell began to toll. Funeral peals. Its rhythm was death. But by the time we got to the graveyard, our living band had drowned it out. There was a young priest in the graveyard, which surprised me. Joe Harris, he said, smiling, held out his hand. I'm the curate. I hope you don't mind me being here. I shook my head and his hand. No, father, you're very welcome. Everyone is. I hope you don't mind the music. I love it, he said. He walked beside me as the pallbearers shimmied along the narrow path. At the graveside we found the fourth member of the band, his drums set up. He added a gentle contribution as Macaulay and the others switched to a quieter number while the funeral party gathered around the grave. Curran directed his men to lay the coffin on a green mat beside the opening. When they'd done that, all five stepped back discreetly. Shall I? the young priest asked. I nodded, and as he stepped forward, Macaulay stopped the music. The curate looked at the coffin and then at the crowd. I won't say prayers, he said. I think we've all been praying for Mrs. Hennessy already in a special way. He paused and then smiled. I didn't know her at all, and I kind of think many of you here didn't either. But I'm sure now that none of us will ever forget her. And then he blessed the coffin. Amen came the response from half a hundred throats. The pallbearers stepped forward, ran webs under the box and lowered it into the grave. The drummer hammered a roll on his snare and added a bass rhythm as Mags went down. When the coffin reached the bottom he skilfully wove in other tones. Corin and one of his men lifted a board to cover the opening. I stopped them. No, fill it in now. He was surprised, but signalled the two gravediggers who had been standing outside the proceedings. They came over and began shoveling. The first clatter of gravel on timber was outsounded by a long flourish of the drummer's cymbals. Macaulay's trumpet joined the poem of tones, leading the saxophone and the banjo to the heavens in a rendition of the first piece in their whole performance which I knew. Oh, when the saints go marching in. I whispered the words under the melody, and finally let my tears go when everybody in the graveyard took up the beat and clapped as Mags danced home. I hope you enjoyed that. There was a very personal sequel to that story. When my brother Des died in 2005, I took on the job of organising his funeral. Josephine told me then that Des had always said he wanted a jazz band at his funeral. In very much the way of my story from more than a decade before, we gave him one. It cheered us all on a very dark day. You've been listening to the Kilcullen Diaries SoundCloud. I'm Brian Byrne. Thanks for being here. Come back again.